0: what's going on everybody i'm rambo and welcome to echoes of new eden can you believe it i'm on my 40th episode what a year so far i'll go over the usual game news and for this week i spoke to niker and lucas fetch from shh and we talked about the pantheon war and what's coming next let's dive right in yes can you believe it 40 episodes and i did interviews with people all over new eden the show has changed quite a bit evolved a little bit here and there and over the course of the year i did acquire some help so not every episode has been on my youtube channel so i reached out for any volunteers that would like to help with youtube so in the next week or so maybe even this episode you'll see new video releases with timestamps and possibly captioning on the videos. We'll work on getting that content and future content out on YouTube in a timely manner. Maybe I'll even introduce my new volunteer on the next episode if he wants. So let's get into the game news. So last week I went over the announcement for the big update that we got last week and uh that came as far a uh like a youtube trailer and then also on the eve echoes website they had the update uh, announcement over there so that's where i read that off of going into the patch notes that they basically reiterated what they had posted a couple days prior um on their website so they had the patch notes but then also i wanted to add this event or this bit at the at the end Uh, so they did do additional changes like large performance optimizations. so now we have performance mode so performance mode can be toggled on and off in game settings when the performance mode is on all ship effects and models will be hidden in large-scale battles this is to reduce their performance loss and lag caused by the game rendering ship models reduce the possibility of lag and time and frame drops during combat, and greatly improve the game experience during large-scale battles. They have been working hard to improve the performance of large-scale battle and will continue to do so in the future. They did implement a translation feature that is uh, now available. And uh, on a side note, only Omega users have translation available to them. So you can now translate chat messages from other languages into the language that they use in the game by tra- by tapping the translate button below the message in the chat channel. So they did some optimizations. They updated the estimated price based on successful transactions in the market. They, uh, they're still doing that limited time event Interstellar Bazaar Neon Rain. The total estimated value of items are now displayed on the contract page. So to, to go in a little bit, bit more in depth with that is when you open up a contract, say I want to say the contract has a rattlesnake in it and you're being charged $2 billion for it. It'll actually tell you what the market value of that rattlesnake is, you know, whether it's at 5 or $6 billion. Um, And basically it's a it's a workaround from the scams. You can actually see if you're getting scammed or not. The local member list now displays player info in simple mode. Right now, I don't know, I'll beg to differ that it's simple. It is um, a bit bugged right now. And you can navigate by tapping the addresses on contracts. That one I can't say I've tried yet, so I'll have to check that one out. So that is it for the patch notes. So for official media, there are some Twitter posts, a couple of them. We're talking about capital ship manufacturing, um, just a lot about that, actually. And uh, they did go in-depth with uh, the Interstellar Bazaar Concord event, but that's about it for official media. I'm scrolling back a little bit. Until about last week where we caught up. I don't know if I caught the ban notice. But the last ban notice that went out had had 1,115 accounts banned. With a majority of them being abnormal anomaly behavior at 56%. So crazy stuff there. Going on to player support news. So in player support news they did do a FAQ on capital ships. So, here's the question. What's the difference between capital ships and regular ships? So, the answer being, one, capital ships cannot enter high-sec systems, dock at capsular outposts, or be transported by delivery services. Two, the insurance, the max discount for capital ships is 20% off, while regular ships can get 70% off. Three, most of the modules and rigs of capital ships cannot be fitted to any other regular ships. Does the capital ship require different fittings and skills? And basically the answer to that is yes. The modules and rigs for the capital ships will be released with the skills, which we have seen. So they did talk about the Sinosuro and Jump Systems. Um, The Sinosuro Field Generator, it's a new mid-slot module that can be fitted when you have the required bonus. Using the module consumes a lot of fuel. Upon activation, the player will become a beacon that can be searched by other pilots in the same fleet. Ships fitted with a jump drive, when requirements are met, these ships can jump directly to the location of the beacon. So they talked about the Syossero beacon. The uh, beacon tower is a corporate add-on structure. It generates a beacon that is visible throughout the corporation. Though this add-on structure, ships fitted with jump drive, can quickly return from other systems to areas near this structure. Now they say near. I don't know if it's going to be in the same system or neighboring systems. It's something we have to still see. The synosuro Jammer Tower is a corporation add-on structure. Upon activation, all pilots of the same systems will be unable to activate Sinosauro Field Generators. The Sinosuro Jammer Tower doesn't affect the function of the Sinosuro Beacon Tower from the same corporation. So here's a question. Why can't the ship jump to the beacon generated by the Sinosauro Field Generator? There are eight possible reasons. 1. The ship doesn't have a jump drive. 2. The ship has a weapon timer. 3. The warp scramble strength is greater than zero. 4. The cooldown time of the jump drive is greater than zero. 5. The ship is cloaking. 6. The capacitor is lower than 95%. 7. The fuel is not enough. And 8. The jump distance exceeds the max jump range. So the next question being, can the jump to the beacon be disrupted? And the answer to that is, is after you click the jump, the ship prepares for jumping. If the ship is disrupted during preparing, for example, its warp disrupted and warp scramble strength gets greater than zero, the jump will get disrupted. So that is a halt in space. And so there's nothing new on the uh, Discord announcements. So that's it for news this week. So I hope everybody is enjoying this uh, new content update that we got. And I hope people are building these capitals. I can't wait till uh, we start seeing them out there. So that's it for official game news. So with that, we will go into the interview that I had with Niker and Lucas Fetch from over in SHH. Let's check it out.
1: Hello, I'm uh, Niker,
2: And I'm Lucas Fetch of the Silent Federation. And welcome to Echoes of New Eden.
0: Welcome to Echoes of New Eden. What is going on? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's up? How are you guys doing? I'm uh, good. doing good. Let's roll into some introductions here. So uh, Niker, let's uh, introduce yourself there.
1: Yeah, hello. I'm uh, Niker. I'm the CEO of uh, GRA, a corp inside of the Silent Federation. Um, currently in the process of uh, rebranding uh, and going together, together with another corporation inside of the Federation. I'm a military leader inside of uh, the Silent Federation, uh, campaign manager for the Southern War, and that's it.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Lucas Fetch. Um, I'm a member of PAND from the Silent Federation. And I'm one of the military commanders there. Um, I mostly pay attention to what's going on, give people intel, and write reports. Exciting job.
0: Nice. Yeah, very exciting. (laughs) Uh, That's exactly why I don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> so it takes a lot of effort so but it's nice. worth it yeah. exactly yeah. yeah yeah they are uh so niker uh funny story on to how you got here uh zen uh, a fan of the show had reached out to you and asked you if you wanted to do the show and you're like sure <laughs> how did that conversation happen
1: um well he just came up to me would you uh, would you be up for doing uh an episode just like uh Tahini did with no. And uh I was like, sure, that sounds fun.
0: Yeah, and then um, so we just rolled with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we dragged so Lucas into it. So he got in touch with you. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought it sounded like a good idea, you know, to get the perspective of uh, each of the major sides of the war and see how things were unfolding from their point of view.
1: Right.
0: So um you yeah you guys listened to the last episode that we had with uh the with no um tahini cult and uh run you know how what did you guys think about that episode
1: I think it was uh, amazing and they summed up the war pretty good <laughs> in my eyes
2: Yeah absolutely it, it was a great episode and uh, they had a lot of great things to say for sure yeah, it really stood out the uh, you know the respect that they showed to the Silent Federation, and we definitely reciprocate. You know, those guys have been amazing partners throughout this whole
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like uh, just uh, the contact uh, when the, when the new server came up, uh, the, the the Blender server. Um, the short, like how easy it was to communicate with them and get things done. It was great.
0: Yeah, and the partnership that SHH had and. No had you know together going into this into that war, um, I mean th- that stood out a lot of times, you guys were outnumbered, but uh, the teamwork, the communication, all of that came into play, and then uh you guys ended up succeeding in your in your goals for the most part, right yeah, it was I would a, say so
1: it was a bit of a rough start um. But we were able to, uh, just like uh, Tahini said, we were able to get a new doctrine going very quick, and uh, from there on, it 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 was over. <laughs> it was uh it was going very good uh, from there on.
2: The, there's a few few aspects of that. I think the the on the field portion for sure was a really good adaptation, and the communication in the blender server was great. Uh, but you know there was a lot of Behind the scenes, diplomacy and uh, information gathering like constantly, and then having to collate all of that together so that we could have like one source of truth of like, what are all the timers? Where are they? How are we going to approach it? And then uh, be able to know when it's op time, all right, what are the available targets? How far apart are they? How should we split this up? Like, there was a lot of logistics behind the scenes, and that all went really smoothly. Which was quite surprising,
0: and I I do remember that part too, where he was talking about the SHH switching doctrines, and it seemed like overnight, seamlessly. How did how does something like that happen?
1: We um, we came to the realization that the, the the fleet the Alpha Fleet that we had wasn't gonna work in the in the way that uh, it worked in the Fireflies War. Because it just, it's a numbers game at that point. And when you're brawling, uh, the ones with the most numbers generally win. So we came up, uh, like uh, we, we, we just went and uh, for the most part copied Nose Doctrine, right? <laughs> we went into Dominix's and Armageddon's, got the new Doctrine out. And I think it was like two or three days after the Doctrine was announced, I already had a ping out for the Doctrine. And I was able to fill half a fleet. It uh yep. I think it it helped that uh, that we were already running the um uh, the longbows, which were the cruisers uh in the drones. So everybody was uh and everybody liked that doctrine. So I think it was an easy switch for people to go and in, into uh the Dominixes as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people were really wanting it. You know, when we uh, adopted heavy or large cannons as our main weapon of choice, we got a lot of pushback from the drone pilots going, how come I can't fly my Dominix?" And finally the opportunity came. It was like a step up from the vexers, and they're like, yes, drones, let's do it.
0: Well, for a long time, drones have been like the meta for ratting, you know, like people AFK ratting or just safely ratting, you know, solo ratting yeah, type exactly. stuff. And they wanted to carry yeah. over those, those skills and not have to skill into something new that they normally don't fly just to join CTAs and whatnot. So a lot of those people are coming in with already good skills and say, Oh, Hey, I'm of use. So let me get into a ship that I know and know how to use and, uh, I can do some damage for you. So there's, yeah, there's that.
2: Yep. And so our FCs, um, a lot of experience with the vexers, knowing their strengths and weaknesses and at the end of essentially the the second conflict with fireflies um there was one battle i remember where we were uh, we were defending and fireflies didn't show up but no did and they arrived at a choke point that we would have to exit through and we were in our alpha fleet and they were in their heavy kites and we were like we don't have to fight them, but let's do it. Let's just see how these two doctrines match up. And we took that fight and it was, it was a draw, but we both sides learned a lot about the mechanics of fighting an alpha fleet versus a heavy kite. And it was really good. So it was already on our minds that uh, when the fountain war rolled around and we realized what Niker said about the, uh, the alpha fleet's shortcomings and how we could compensate for that we had already done all the mental math on that so like we kind of knew here's the ships we want to fly here's how they should be loaded out here's how we can compensate for the strengths and weaknesses and it was just like posted everyone go buy them the pilots were like yes drones and uh, it was like 2 days later we had them on the field it was really great everyone was excited
1: for it it was definitely visible in the drone prizes <laughs>
0: yeah oh yeah i suppose uh, the demand for those went skyrocketing
1: yeah, at some point it was I think Mark five a Mark, fi, a mark sevens went up to like five, six mil and mark nines over ten mil for the medium drones.
2: Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> I think someone referred to it as the first uh, ammo shortage of Eve Echoes. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't have ammo in Eve Echoes. Drones could be considerably in, in ammo. But was was the market completely dead of drones? Had people been buying them all up or what?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was empty.
0: I'm a bit astonished by that. I can't say I've seen that before. (laughs) Aside, you know, I did look at Capital Blueprints this morning on the market, and I didn't see any there. So I suppose, like, it's normal for something like that. But for drones, you would think that would be, like, impossible.
1: Yeah, it was uh, after every major fight, uh, the drone prices would skyrocket after that. It's uh, because a lot of drones died every every major fight, uh, like the two times uh, for the K4 yeah. fights. Um, Th- those were amazing. Around.
2: I think was it the first or the second K4 fight? Uh, there were three total, but I think it was the second one where we both sides really committed to the fight, and it lasted like four hours long. Just this one battle was four hours long. Yeah, and it uh, only like... ended because we ran out of fuel and drones. <laughs>
1: Wow. Yeah, and and I think they decided to shoot their own citadel and just entosis it again. Yeah. Which was a good good choice <laughs> if you think that about was, it. That was yeah, that, they was, had
2: the that field. was a good way to end it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so let, let's uh let, let's roll into the summary of the Pantheon War and Lucas, you had said earlier Fountain War? Is that what you're calling it or was that I don't I haven't heard of the Fountain War. Did you uh, refer I, to I it? mentioned
2: that that's where our first battles were, but no, it, I think it's better to call it the the Pantheon War for sure. Um, Fountain is where our, our Alpha fleet uh, came up against Pantheon for the first time, and then we made those doctrine changes. So yeah, that's kind of why I mentioned it, but no, Pantheon is the better label.
0: Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's just how I'm referring yeah. to it, the Pantheon War. Um, a lot of people just say no SHH and Honk versus Pantheon and Allies. Um, yeah that's too long it, it, there was really no official name for that war you know it's kind of yeah you
2: know, we tried to come up with some names but we, none of them really
0: stuck right so anyway
1: usually uh, traditionally in even line, uh with the wars they, they get a name because people start calling it a certain name and then one gets very popular but well, it never happened with this one
0: well I think partial too because it didn't last there very long you know, um, people were predicting, you know, if this were to ever happen, how long the war would be. So the content coalition versus Gen and Pantheon that lasted what eight months? I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have a rough estimate there. It lasted a long time. <laughs> um, even with corporations and GHA falling and all that crap, you know, it still continued on in some sort of aspect. Uh, with this one. It only lasted about 30 days, which I think entire, the entirety of New Eden thought it was going to last upward of, of a year be, just because of how big these groups are. Yeah, yeah that, that was a surprise to all of us, I think.
1: Yeah, it's for, uh, it, did, uh, it was definitely because of the pace we set, I think. We were going at it uh, very hard. The, those were uh, like seven, eight-hour ops every the first three weeks. Uh, we had that twice per week at least.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent that w- that was a crazy pace. I can't believe we kept it up for as long as we did honestly and it's <laughs> it's still going to some extent. There's still ops uh, running almost around the clock but yeah, it's not the same level as it was before. Sweet. One of the things that I think went really well from that perspective um, was you know the the three organizations on our side, uh, silent federation honk which is arguably part of the silent federation and uh, no please stop um, we all have a lot of time zone coverage and that helped us tremendously um, i guess it's going a bit on the war strategy side of things but uh, we our different organizations were able to kind of work around the clock like even within silent, silent federation one of the things that makes us As strong an organization as we are, is that we have different groups all around the globe. So we're not focused on a single time zone. You know, we've got a really strong US, EU, Eastern Europe, uh, Asia, uh, and Asia Pacific, like strong organizations in each of those time zone groups. So, you know, during the day, for, for my point of view, being someone who lives in the EU, during, during the day, our Asian groups are out there making armor timers. And then uh, they come back the next day and turn them into hull timers. And then the EU and US guys can can fight those hull battles in our time. But like Neiker said, some of those ops would go like five to eight hours. And that's not unusual. Uh, so the EU crowd would start. And then halfway through, the U.S. crowd would start logging in after work, (laughs) and they would come in either as reinforcements to the main battle or reinforcements that go after separate objectives. Uh, So it was like true contribution all around the clock, uh, almost nonstop for those 30 days. So it it was a crazy war pace, and that's definitely one of the reasons why it ended so quickly.
0: Did you have to do that with the FF war? call in for reinforcements or was it kind of like uh the battles for ff weren't that long though considerably
2: no yeah by comparison they weren't uh necker do you want to talk a bit about that one
0: yeah
1: i think it's because it was all uh it was all in one time zone and um it was a brawling match usually so that's the you can call it the downside or upside of brawling right but uh uh brawling you you go in and one group comes out as the victor within like an hour an hour and a half and that doesn't happen with the kiting uh where you you can stay on the field even when your fleet is halfway down yeah,
2: that was definitely a big difference personally I prefer the the brawling style for that reason <laughs> it's it's quicker but uh you can't argue with the results of the kiting fleet, my goodness.
1: i I, i'd take the guiding fleet over anything else (laughs) it's uh it suits me back uh back when i started the game that's how i started playing uh in my stabber fleet issue with uh strike cannons and then going and pop uh smaller ships at gate camps
0: nice that's funny so yeah it was natural natural for you
1: guiding them out and killing the frigates that chase you and stuff
0: so yeah, and these ops were, you know, upwards of four six hours. Niker, you were staying up late for these. <laughs> these happen to be like in your prime time. So you, as an FC, you were able to, you know, attend these and, and focus on these and and do that. What was it like controlling those fleets?
1: Oh, it was awesome. I'd come home from work on uh, on Monday. I'd have like fifteen to thirty minutes to get some food. And then uh, it, from there, it was just battles <laughs> forming up the fleet and going out. It, uh, and then, uh, depending on the objectives that were out there, but usually there were uh, upwards of 10 uh, citadels out at the same time to shoot. And we'd make choices of which ones to take and then uh, split up uh, the groups from there.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. And that was that was a fantastic situation to be in, you know, where... Our groups throughout the week are, are essentially generating these options for us, and then we could decide uh, at the time of the op based on what we were seeing with our form-ups and the enemy's form-ups, which targets to go for. That, that definitely put us in the driver's seat.
0: And I can only imagine how much work that takes. Uh, Discord communication and all of that stuff going into it just to be able to uh... Be successful with intel and stuff like that i, I just can't imagine it
2: <laughs> there were a lot of people involved in that effort that's for sure
0: yeah so what were, were uh some of the highlights of this war through your guys's eyes
1: well definitely the very big fights i enjoyed them a lot i know a lot of people didn't uh, get to enjoy them because of black screens and uh and other device limiting problems but uh I was loving the K4 fight uh, where we would be in grit, uh, way outnumbered, and uh, just keep shooting. It was so much fun.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Those big fights are what the game is all about for me. That's that's what gets me to play. I think at its heart, this game really is a war game. I, I mentioned that to a friend of mine the other day, and he's like, if you're playing Eve and you're not, in a war then what do you like i don't i think you're playing the game wrong (laughs) and i totally agree uh i'm not even a big PvP'er at heart Uh, generally i prefer pve but this game is is set up to be well i guess it's literally called everyone versus everyone isn't it that's what eve stands for so it's it's all about a big sandbox to fight each other in and that's that comes to a head through the diplomacy of these big organizations into giant fleet battles and, and that's that's the best part. I think the, the most fun that I had was the, yeah, it was the third K4 battle where we finally got the entosis on it. Um, and the major battle happened a couple hours earlier, a few jumps away in YAW when the, we drew out their main defensive fleet and fought them in that system instead over a secondary objective. And we were able to essentially wipe their whole defensive fleet there. But of course, they had so many ships staged already in K4 that they just went back to K4 and reshipped. And then we came to K4 with our survivors and kept fighting there. And that battle went for like another three hours. It was just exhausting, but so satisfying. (laughs) It was really fun.
0: And so with that one, you pulled the W, and uh, I believe it was Dead that got the entosis on that. Well, either way, That's right. Yeah. once it got flipped over, there was a lot of Pantheon pilots, or even Genesis pilots, that were stranded inside that. They had stuff inside that station that had stuff stranded.
1: Yeah, they they yeah. docked up uh, so they could then undock their most expensive ship later in a later date, and get it to uh, a net, probably. That was the idea, I think, uh, on their side.
2: Yeah, I believe so. I think the way the mechanic works is um, anything that's stored in the Citadel is put into a single box. And teleported to an ITC and then you have to pay like a percentage of the value of the goods in that box to get it back right. do you know if you have to pay like all or nothing or can you pull things out
0: individually? no it's it's 15 percent. you can pull stuff out individually okay yeah but the idea
2: is like get in your biggest ship or your most expensive ship and stay logged in on that ship and then it doesn't get kicked out, right? You can undock it, <laughs> but you have to be careful when you undock it if there's reds nearby. So that was a good decision on their point to minimize the financial uh, the financial losses. But it it was kind of uh, you know a, a a big moment for us when we saw that they chose to dock up, and there were still like ninety plus pilots inside when the Entosis went off, and the pilot from Dead docked in the Citadel said wow there's there's 90 guests in this citadel right now
0: (laughs) man i could only imagine what that was like over comms
1: yeah we weren't actually even expecting to take k4 uh that day because uh just from previous defenses they just brought way too much to handle wiping their fleet in yaw was definitely what uh what made a lot of their pilots log off for the night as well so their defending numbers in K4 dwindled to a low enough where we could, together with our reinforcements that came in, from uh, because it was later on in the day already and on at the night. Yeah, uh, we were able to take a stab at it.
2: We were always willing to take a stab at it, regardless of how outnumbered we were, you know. And props to both Pantheon and GenFed for forming up the numbers every week. Like it was always something to look forward to and a really good fight.
1: Yeah, and their FCs had the same uh, same thing. I, I know I saw the same FCs every every uh, big fight every night. So they were, they were bringing in the hours as well. It's uh Absolutely. Amazing.
2: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that in a game that is so, um, it, it pushes you towards these big fleet battles, that the game doesn't handle it as well as it could. You know, those those issues were plaguing both sides for sure. All the black screens and constant disconnects—it's frustrating to deal with. Uh, so I'm really glad to see that the developers are taking a couple of steps forward and have committed to improving that aspect of the game. It's definitely needed for a, for a long-term, healthy game.
0: Right. Yeah, and a lot of people were experiencing, you know, black screens or disconnects. You know, and and actually in some of these battles, if not all the battles dye hasn't even kicked in. So there's a lot of frustrated people complaining about that.
1: Yeah, so dye kicks in when the server can't keep up. And I think they, uh, they made an announcement about it. And I think it holds true a little bit. Um, that the server wasn't having trouble to keep up with its, the devices. And that shows because people on iPads uh, and stuff never had any or high-end uh, smartphones uh, from Android. They, they never had problems with uh, black screens, and then other people do. So it can't be a server-side issue, because then everybody would have the problem. But I do think uh, that if they do slow down the game, that uh, with tie-dye that that it, even on client side, it would help uh, diminish the problems. But I, I, I can't be sure. I don't yeah. know their coding.
2: I, I think that's, I agree with that assessment. I, I think it's something they should consider. Um, I was about to say it couldn't hurt, but you know these battles are already long enough, so it kind of could <laughs> <I> hurt. <know. laughs> so it's up to them. I mean, they know their game the best to make the right decisions, but it's an option that should be considered for sure. Yeah, the the device problems have been really frustrating, even for some of our FCs. You know, we have people who are very active during the wars with the Fireflies who can't lead fleets anymore because the they just get disconnected all the time, and it's just not feasible whatsoever and that's that's really rough you know when you have players who are who want to be super engaged and they can't because of uh, you know their device not being able to keep up so i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing what this performance mode does now if people are able to have a better experience that couldn't really participate before that would be a huge step forward
0: All Right. and uh <laughs> can maybe you can confirm something for me uh i did see this i don't remember where i seen it but there was a srp for devices and, and for shh like you were to turn in your old phone and get an ipad from mr pay to win or something like that, <laughs> that the, it? i those, wish
1: you would do that <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah.
2: those were all jokes yeah we're talking about the fc doctrine yeah the <laughs> doctrine for FC is everybody gets an iPad Pro.
0: That's not a bad idea.
2: You know. Sadly, that is not the case.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah. Too bad, right? I have the iPad Pro, and I don't have any issues joining any battles. Um, I did have an issue where I approached a... I went to engage a gate camp that had, like, seven people there. And my game crashed and then when i logged back in i died i was dead i was like well oh. i i can survive 1200 people you know in local type battles but engaging a gate camp of seven people <laughs> it's just weird stuff can happen like that <laughs> i know That's exactly what you
1: mean i i bought my ipad air exactly for this reason because i my phone couldn't run it so i was running uh the game on uh on emulators, but that didn't cut it. So I bought the iPad Air specifically for Eve Echoes. And the first thing I did, first thing that happened was, uh, I think I was in BKG and uh, Josh tackled an Ashimu somewhere, a few jumps out. So I was like, oh, I'll come and help you. So I unducked my uh, Logi and I went out there. And the moment I jumped the game, uh, jumped the gate into, uh, into, to help Josh out, I crashed. The game crash and it was the first first experience on the iPad air and I was like, Oh did I just spend eight hundred euro for this? <laughs> it's no guarantee. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean But uh, from there on it's been been great. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, gets its I've occasional had bugs. Almost
2: entirely positive experiences with it on the iPad Pro. It's been great.
0: Um most of my experiences too within the game have been positive. I know a couple times like I would open the star charts and the start when it when the star chart is populating my game will crash. That's another one I had. In the past, I has yep. it hasn't done that recently though. So it may have just gotten fixed.
1: It uh, does it for me sometimes, but I think still it's like today. uh it's still um it happens also when opening like the corporation screen sometimes and and I think it's like a RAM issue where the RAM is already full so it crashes when uh, when it tries to load more into the RAM.
0: Yeah. It happened to me so often to where I was afraid of opening star charts if I was doing anything other than sitting. (laughs) It's safe in a station, at least. I'm like, oh, shit, I am warping to this gate, or I'm in the middle. You know, say uh, the FC um, mentions, okay, hey, we need to go to this system. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know where that system is, and so I bring up star charts, hoping that I don't crash, (laughs) you know? stuff like that
2: oh yeah that's happened to it me too i usually operate like during during this war. i've been operating the second fleet behind niker and uh he would be like all right set a new destination here i'm like uh-oh i have to bring up the map <laughs> i have to bring it up and set it go his fleet for my fleet it's like 30 percent of the time i crash
0: yeah it, it's just enough to kind of just be in the back of your head and kind of like there's a possibility of crashing <laughs> please don't crash but Otherwise it hasn't done that for me recently, so knock on wood,
2: yeah, it's just that the stakes are really high in this game, right, like this these are ships with real value for sure, you don't want to lose
0: it, right, so uh, I know I had a post um about the Pantheon war being over within already after it because of the time that it took to um basically split up. Split up the alliances within Pantheon. I want to say I had another show. It may have been the Gulag Gang episode. To where we are talking about. The predictions of how long the war was going to last. Or who was going to win. And someone was saying it was going to last right around a month. But others were saying that it was going to last longer. Obviously that didn't happen. It was right around a month. But is this war even over? Because it's like you said earlier. The there's still around the clock operations going on.
1: Yeah, so it's it's definitely died down and we're we're taking a little bit of a break right? But uh there's some groups that uh that we think do not uh um deserve to keep their citadels, let's put it that way. Or we think they didn't uh take any damage and they tried to take the easy way out uh by just saying that they're not at war anymore. Um so we're we're still fighting uh, but it's mostly uh mostly just taking their citadels for for profit so we can downgrade them
2: yeah i think there's still more to do but the main the main goal of this operation has been accomplished i would say you know pantheon as an organization has been split up um so that's one big chunk of the the blue donut that we were talking about um has a bite taken out of it i suppose you could say but yeah I'm looking at current numbers here. It looks like these may not be 100% accurate, but I see 24 citadels have been destroyed so far. But there's 29 that we have currently captured. So those something needs to happen to those, right? Like, we don't intend to uh, stay in the south. We're not going to occupy these citadels. uh, But they need to go somewhere, and a lot of this Can happen diplomatically. It doesn't need to be uh, ships on grid, you know. So that's above my pay grade. People are already in negotiations and deciding what goes where and who gets what and what gets shot and what doesn't. I I don't really know what's going to happen on that side of things, but uh, it's not quite finished yet for sure. Uh, But I'd say the end is in sight.
1: So, yeah, we'll still just have to defend the citadels that we have until they're downgraded. That's the main the main point i think
0: yeah so going into this war with pantheon you knew that you would be, have to be fighting its allies as well so catch 22 made a formal announcement for them backing out of the war uh they didn't want any part of it you know after pantheon split but it still seems like you're dealing with genfed now is this now a war against genfed or what's that whole situation
1: Let's like GenFed is still shooting us up in the north, so I'm not gonna say we don't go there, but uh, we're definitely taking a break because the pace of the war has been very, very quick. So we'll, we'll see what happens and how mad we're, we are at uh, with GenFed in uh, in I don't know how long, <laughs> and then see uh, if we want to go there because, like you said, the blue donut has been split up. Uh, but GenFed is still very big, and uh, they're taking in a lot of refugi- refugees from Pantheon. So,
2: yeah, it's one of the things that we were—I don't want to say afraid of, but you know, aware it could happen. Um, a lot of this and how it proceeds um, will happen diplomatically, I'm sure. But there's like, like Niker said, there's active uh, active hostilities going on from GenFed against us right now, and we're certainly happy to reciprocate. But uh, will that escalate into a full-blown gen-fed war? Um, it could. I don't know.
1: Let's just say it's not up to me. <laughs> right. And I'm glad it isn't, because then we would already be at war. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: one of the things that I find really fascinating about it this game and eve online i I never played eve online but uh there are a lot of different roles you can play in this game right you could be a miner, happy to be in your dead end system just shooting rocks all day or you could be a a diplomat or a spy or a fleet commander or a line pilot or just a ratter or a mission runner like there's so much you can do not all of it is in the game right The, the diplomats and the spies and it's it blows my mind, the little insight that I have into it, like how much time you can spend, quote unquote, playing the game without being in the game, right? Like being on Discord is just as valuable a part of the game as being in your ship. It's, it's crazy, the amount of influence you can have without even logging in.
1: Yeah, it's definitely visible from, uh, from, from like uh, every time we we have like 15 timers, it's hard to keep track of everything. And then we have a, we have a few people that then step up to like get a comprehensive list, and then uh, they get, get they get uh, they know what fleets are out, and they try to manage us where we should be going and uh, keep us on objective and not stray. <laughs> I know it's uh, sometimes very hard uh, very, very hard to keep on objectives when there's a fleet to fight and stuff like that, right. <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, and some of those people who kept the effort really focused uh, in the Pantheon War were, were, you know, members of No, members of Honk, members of Silent. You know, it, it was a real collaborative effort there. And it was super appreciated because. It, the pace was just so crazy that you know people would get tired, and then someone else would step up and be like, "Okay, well, here's the list of targets for today or it was it was just really collaborative. It was a pleasure to work with these guys.
0: yeah, the tempo was very high.
2: It's like nothing I'd seen before, that's for sure, <laughs>
0: yeah with no being the mercenary alliance that they are and the p v p focused players that they are, they have very high tempo. they're very dedicated players over there. And um, I mean, the future of content is uh is gonna be coming to your doorstep here too soon because i I think tahini even said it he's like, "Hey, I can't wait to fight s h h again.
1: God wait to fight no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: it's inevitable it, like it's, I said it's part of the game, right that's why we're here, yes. it will be a lot of fun, I think it is
0: part of the game, yeah. but there's no bad blood in there too, no exactly I think the
2: the Tahini and Colton, the guys, covered it in the previous episode, right? Like, this war wasn't personal. It was about, you know, changing the political landscape of the game. We, we don't want anyone to quit. Like, that's never a goal. <laughs> that's that's terrible behavior. Like, we're not here to, to hurt people. We're here to play the game and, and have a good time. And uh, No really understands that, like, especially given the type of organization they are. Uh, being a mercenary about it, From their point of view, is really great, right? Like, they don't kill people because they hate them. They kill people because they get paid, and that's that's super clear. And that's a really fun role in the game. But Silent, we we approach it differently. We're a, a federation, a federation of separate alliances. Each, you know, has their own way of doing things, and there's some federation rules, but for the most part, the alliances kind of run themselves, and that's great. You know, you can find a home in there, but. As uh, Nihilist says in almost every fireside that he has, the goal for us is a stable and secure North, and that's what it's all about, right? That's why we went south, and that's why we're not going to stay in the south. is because it's about the North. Um, so it's it's really fun to see the different ways that you can play this game, engage in the war for reasons that are just like to keep your home base secure. Um, and just change the political landscape and and as you know Mamasaurus has said uh publicly they can rebuild fairly easily right so it's not super damaging i hope people don't take it the wrong way and don't get um, you know don't quit the game because of uh, losing their home it, it can be rebuilt maybe as part of a different alliance maybe in a different system and inevitably it'll probably happen to us one day uh, that's just part of the game, right? Our goal, of course, is to prevent it from happening to us. But uh, that's the reality of such a big sandbox war game. You can see it in EVE Online. I've always enjoyed spectating from the sidelines without having played it myself. But now that I'm in EVE Echoes watching it happen, it's it's intense, for sure. I know the emotions can get high. But uh, it is a game. We try to take it light. We try to enjoy it and, you know, play when you're having fun don't play if you're not going to have fun but come back come back let's play together it's a good game
0: yeah and i did see that a lot on the reddit post and maybe just because it's reddit but there's a lot of like um uh, accusations toward destroying the community when that wasn't the case uh niker how important is the community to you
1: very. I don't think I would be uh, here today if, uh, if it wasn't for the Silent Federation. I would probably be playing other games.
0: <laughs> but that, that goes throughout New Eden as well. Not just SHH, but you know, to people in other corporations and oh, yeah, the people yeah. that like, you talk to a, in Discord.
1: Definitely. Like, it's, it's a community-driven game. It's, uh, like, I like to see MMOs, and, and it's something new to the mobile genre, right? Like MMOs aren't very widespread. But it's about other players, and uh, especially line where you get to shoot other players. It's very hard to keep people in the game. But like the game is no fun if there's no PvP, because the PvE in this game is very bland.
0: And how about for you, Lucas? How important is the community?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I wouldn't be playing this game without the other people. That's That's what makes it what it is. Um, I mentioned earlier that kind of my heart is in PVE, but I completely agree with Niker that the PVE in this game is is a bit bland. Um, you put a lot of effort in and you don't get a lot back. Uh, the more memorable experiences are definitely uh, at the higher levels of organization, right? So my alliance versus your alliance, or my corporation versus your corporation. That's that's where this game really excels. and And that doesn't happen without the community. Sometimes it can be a bit, Heated and the the propaganda wars are uh, something that I do not participate in. <laughs> I have no interest in that. And when I read it, I get disheartened. I'm like, ugh, that's no. But like hanging out with people, having a good time, being in Discord, seeing the same people day in day out, and getting to know them over time that that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, for me, community is very important. Of course, you know, if I actually never knew how in-depth the community can be in this game until after I joined a corporation. Because when I got this game, I don't know if you know kind of like the little history of me getting into this game, but when I got into it, I I didn't know anything about EVE. I I just thought I could undock my ship and go kill some pirates and go do this, go do that kind of RPG type game. But it wasn't until I joined a corporation where it really like opened my eyes. And you said earlier too, you know, you got all these roles and jobs and, and things that you can do in the game, like such as spies. Like I never knew of a spy in a game up until this game, you know, it's like, Oh, that's a thing. You know, people do that. And right. (laughs) But you know, it's spies are very important in this game. Um, but the community aspect of it, I mean, I, you know, if it wasn't for my corp, I probably wouldn't be playing this game. Honestly, you know, uh, the people that I play with every day, the people in my Alliance that I talk to every day, um, you know, all the way up to doing the show every week. Um, it's very important to me. It's my hobby. You know, I enjoy doing this type of stuff. Community is very important. So when it comes to attacks on the community, it's like, you kind of have to choose what you want to believe. You could, you know, some people are saying, no, you know, there's nothing wrong you can lose stuff but you could always rebuild it too like i i came from gha that's not um unknown news i suppose i had my citadel over there got popped and i now i have two citadels you know it's like you could build you can rebuild you know the the community is as it is you don't want people leaving it you want more people joining it too
2: yeah that's absolutely true
1: i do think uh that uh the people that are saying that uh, that communities get destroyed and people are quitting because of the wars are exaggerating, and I do think like some people might quit, but I do not think those players are necessarily uh, the ones that are interacting with the game at all. Anyway, like with the, with the players around them.
0: Right. Yeah. In in yeah, every war, true. in every war, attrition is a factor. I guess you could say Um, people look at wars and like, well, how's this, what's, what's my corporation going to do if we enter a war, you know, leaders, leadership, they're thinking about stuff like that. CEOs, whatever, like, well, trying to get people to engage. And if they don't engage, you know, are they getting um, booted or fined or, you know, whatever. I I know there's a lot of stuff going around about people not being able to undock unless they're in a fact, not a faction ship. In a doctrine ship, uh, you know that does kind of destroy the game for a lot of people. Uh, it doesn't make it fun for sure, but it's typically those people that end up just say, "You know what, this game isn't for me," and so they do end up quitting. Maybe they weren't in it for the long run.
2: Yeah, I think you have a point there. Uh, I could draw a parallel to like um, Silent Federation is fairly disciplined in terms of how it runs its military. We have doctrines that are pretty strict. Um, And some people, you know, don't jive with that. You know, it it doesn't fit. And they're like, you know, I want to fly the ships that I enjoy. It's like, well, performance on the field is so much more efficient, like provably better if the FC knows the capabilities of everyone's ship. Right. And so some people can't get past that. And, uh, and and they either quit or they don't engage with the military side of the game as a result and it's like well i like, guess so you could ask the question would they stick with the game long term either way or or not right like maybe they would have a better home elsewhere where doctrines are much more relaxed or maybe if they just tried it they would find that they really enjoyed that style of contribution i don't know That's one of the things that makes the game really attractive to me is there's so many different ways to play and you can't say this is the right way that's the wrong way it it depends the answer to
0: every question in eve is it depends yeah it depends <laughs> am i going to get a capital
1: <laughs> well
0: it depends
1: probably not <laughs> looking at the price <laughs> yeah
2: lasers or cannons it depends it,
1: yeah
0: yeah speaking of capitals we got an interesting um 18 or so days up until we start seeing some of the first ones out about so that'll be interesting i
1: think the first one is 11 days i saw it's possible of somebody
0: it's quite possible that that may be the case i I just don't know I, i i did see a screenshot for an 18 days or people selling them or something so i would have figured that it was right around then but still this game is going to change dramatically with those ships
2: Definitely, I can't wait. It's going to be unrecognizable. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the um, sinosaural fields. How do you, how do you pronounce that? I don't even know. Sinos. I think
1: You said it good.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're they're super interesting, and the the strengths and the vulnerabilities of the capital class ships are going to bring. I think the first people to field them are going to uh, get some very expensive losses. But hopefully, learn a lot from the result.
0: Yeah, interesting how the uh, the price markup on them is like near double of what their estimated value is.
1: Wow,
2: is that the case? Oh man!
1: Yeah. I think it's all because of those uh, early blueprints.
0: Yeah, we'll, um, we'll see the how the
1: uh, the debris value and the data core value and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, earlier today I searched for blueprints and on the market and there is none available so either people are buying them all up like i couldn't even see one just to see what relative you know price that people are selling them at so they they just must be a hot item right now just to just to be able to get your hands on maybe people are even turning them for profit who knows yeah maybe
2: i mean it takes so many wrecks to even try a blueprint and it's not a hundred percent so <laughs> It's going to be some expensive losses before you get your first few, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: At least it's close to 100%. I think it's 80% or something.
2: Yeah, something like that. But <laughs> I've seen some people with some pretty bad RNG, so just don't <laughs> let them do the bake.
0: <laughs> and, and Lucas, like you, you know, I haven't played EVE Online at all prior up to EVE Echoes. And then since EVE Echoes had dropped, I had... St- made an EVE Online account and was kind of playing around with it a little bit. But a lot of the capital knowledge in the game, uh, we do have to rely on the people that did fly them in EO. And, you know, how to use these jump bridge things, these Sino whatever, these beacons. That's another thing that we have to learn how to use that I have no idea even how to use. Um And I have access to Tesser. (laughs) So, like, I don't even know how to use (laughs) anything. Uh, Yeah. Like, and a lot of stuff is new for a lot of people that have never played EO. So, there's definitely going to be a learning curve for a majority of the population, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and we we rely a lot on our experienced FCs, like Niker and Joda and uh, Michael JD. Like, those guys, they know EVE Online, Inside and Out. And that's so important to be leading an organization as big as this. But it's no guarantee, either, because Eve Echo is is a different game. It's a very different game. And so a lot of times, we just don't know what to expect until it hits the live servers. And even then, we're in that exact situation now where the content is in the live game. But you can't actually own one yet. (laughs) So there's still unknowns, and there's still experimentation. Uh, One of the ways that I ended up Writing all these after-action reports for the Silent Federation is—I was just kind of eager to figure the game out. You know, I I was lucky to have some really experienced uh, people help me at the very beginning of the game, which is the only reason I stuck with it. And every time I would go and do something stupid, I would write about it in our Corp Discord. I'd be like, "So I did this. Why did that happen?" (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they would answer my questions, and I'd be like, "Oh, okay." And so I'd write a little summary. of like how not to be an idiot for the other noobs to learn from and it kind of grew from there to like just paying attention keep your eyes open and be like wait how does that mechanic actually work like people say it's this but is it really that and yeah so when the patch hit earlier this week the first thing i did was just read all the tool tips and try to dissect it and speculate how things might work and then like write up a little summary of what I thought, and post it to people in military command. And they're like, no, nope, this is wrong. It probably works like this. Or, and then I went and got my hands on a couple of things and tried it out. And sure enough, it didn't work as expected. And like, you just It's a complicated game, but that's part of what makes it so fun. That process of discovery and learning, just I love it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Of course, more detailed patch notes wouldn't hurt. <laughs> but,
0: <you know>. Just <laughs> more info in general. I mean, just you know, the roadmap too. I don't, I don't even know if the roadmap has been updated for future content as to what's going to be Not getting yet. added into the game. You know, we're kind of just like sitting here, just waiting. You know, understandably, they did just implement this latest big update, and they included a lot of stuff that we weren't expecting. Um, you know, a couple of the things like the translator, like we weren't expecting it this soon. You know, because I think they were saying that it was going to get pushed into next year um and then how about that other thing that's in local that's broke, you know where you can separate out oh, man know, that you know translator is
2: such an amazing feature oh yeah, yeah, it is oh, good it's fantastic
1: i wish I wish that wasn't the game when we were fighting fireflies
2: a hundred percent
1: could have been able to read all their salt <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, but yeah, the uh, the change to the the local list once they get that working properly, that's fantastic. Like, I'm so happy. Um,
1: I just don't like how you can't uh, make the list shorter anymore. They, yes, uh, it's so a that's one of the things. Now. And then if you hide the uh, the little icons where the reds and neutrals, how many are system? It doesn't actually give you more room because it's just a gray box. Then it doesn't
0: give you extra room for. Uh, <sighs> People in local to show. Well, one, <laughs> so there's one, no reason to hide it. <laughs> one thing that I don't like about it is, well, one because it's super bugged right now, but two, they have like the default, the the three little things on the bottom. You have, you know, enemies, you have crime timer, and then neutral. Like we live in Nullsec. Why? I don't care about a crime timer. Why does that even have to be there? You know, can I get rid of that? I would rather just see how many. Alliance members or crew members, sorry, yeah, something just or, in, get, yeah. or fleet yeah. members. Like, I, if I have a fleet of forty, you know, how many people are in my fleet in that system? You know, like so, like oh, yeah, that would that even would be, be more useful than a crime timer. Uh, <laughs> this is, yeah, I care less about. I crime totally
2: timer. agree. There's a lot of little settings that that would be really great to have there for sure. It, it helps me out a lot. If that was uh, red, blue, and
1: neutral, that would be fantastic.
2: (laughs) Just to be able to see, like, yeah, how many, how many people are in this big battle right now?
1: How many are not drones on the
0: overview? (laughs) Yes, yeah.
2: God, there's so many little things. Like they added the ability to get rid of drones on the overview by ticking. Every box except the one that says all. Like, how come there isn't just a box for drones? Please, just put a box
1: for drones. I
0: mean, you know, just turn but there
1: is, off. but then you can't filter it by standing, so it's still all drones.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it, it's the little things. Yeah, it's the little things. It's a
1: right. great game, but there's I, I,
0: so many quirks.
1: I never want to see friendly drones on my overview. There's never a reason to see them. <laughs> I
0: had, I did also see, and I didn't notice it until today. They added a feature to where you can include your phone number as part of the security like a two-step authentication security and it was like I already had my phone number linked to it I'm like uh, I don't remember giving the game my phone number and it gives you an option to unlink it when you press the unlink button it actually like errors out have you guys noticed that it's it's in the um, it's in the menu when you go to exit the game
2: I saw the unlink button, but I didn't dare press
0: it. Yeah, if you press it it errors out. I'm like, okay, well what's this going to do? Like, I don't remember even linking my phone number, so let's try it and unlink it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it errors out. I think
1: so, I got your phone number because of the way you're linked if, you, if you're if you linked through Google for example. Google has your phone number probably.
0: Yeah. in
1: in my sense, because I have... Same with Twitter or Facebook or uh, Apple. Uh, it's possible.
0: Yeah, it's possible. The um, I I have iOS and I link my my main account to my uh, Apple ID, so it's probable that it goes through there. Maybe I just don't know. I that was just one of those features yeah. that I just noticed today.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just pressed the button and it's a system error. Please try again later.
0: See? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not here for, feeling you full of shit. Yep, that's that's the thing. <laughs> well, anywho, um. Good talk, guys. Um, that was basically all the stuff that uh, I had on the list to uh, to talk about. So if you guys have any closing thoughts or shout-outs.
1: Definitely uh, a shout-out to No and Honk for uh, for the amazing participation in the war.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Those guys have been a, a pleasure to work with. Um, both organizations have been really fantastic. I look forward to uh, fighting No inevitably one day. In terms of community shout outs, um, there's one person you made me think of who uh, was part of my original corp when I started the game and you know, just disappeared. He just stopped logging in one day. And I know that happens inevitably in any MMO like this, but he was so engaged and so active and then just one day, just nothing. It's like what? We're all worried about him for like months. We just keep paying on a Discord. Be like, Hey, are you alive? Are you alive? never replied so dots dots if you're out there hit us up man
0: all right good deal you didn't want to shout out to like zen or anybody there niker (laughs) or michael jd or any of them nihilus
1: zen uh zen Zen can uh walk the plank (laughs) (laughs) no No, i'm just kidding (laughs) no he knows i'm joking (laughs) he's in my corpse so (laughs) I've known him longer than today. All well, right. I think
2: one group that deserves a shout out that hasn't gotten a lot of attention yet is Saku and Foch Like those guys, they were machines generating those armor timers our uh, armor and hull timers for us. They they were awesome.
1: Oh yeah, and they're still doing it. It's an insane, insane. At a slower pace because I told them to chill out. But
2: uh <laughs> Yeah, and and maybe not everybody knows but Saku um were an alliance from Fireflies, and uh, they joined the Silent Federation after the Fireflies war. And we were so happy to have them. They they were an excellent opponent, and uh, now they're an incredibly valuable ally. And that's just one of the things about this game that's really, really cool, right? Like it's just people on the other side of the screen, and you never know who you're going to be allied with tomorrow or who you're going to be enemies with tomorrow. So. If, if you hold grudges and you refuse to work with people, then, I mean, eventually that's going to become an issue. But, you know, we're all just trying to have a good time.
1: Nothing. Especially to... since the, like, the organizations that we have today aren't going to be the same next year. And, well, so if you hold grudges, like at some point you're going to be inside of an organization that has like the people from the opposite side in it, that were used to be on the opposite side. So I tried to not hold any grudges on on people. Like
2: Niker, (laughs) He was was shooting us left and right for the first six months of the game. And now he's (laughs) one of our best FCs. It's great.
0: (laughs) Well, like I said it before, just wait until Eve echoes 2022. All right, guys. Well, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you guys. And I thank you again for uh, coming on the show.
2: All right. Thanks for inviting us, Rambo.
1: Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for inviting you. All
0: right. Fly dangerously. Well, that wraps it up for this week. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. I do have a YouTube channel. Like and subscribe that for future videos. And if you would like to sponsor the show, please reach out to me on Discord. Being a sponsor gets your corporation ad out there for listeners of the show who may be looking to join a corp. Also, if you wish, please join my Discord. That is where I do my roundtable talks when I do do them. I post all of my episodes there. I have a guest list shown, and you can also post your very own corp ad. I'll leave that link to this Discord in the description. And yes, the shout outs to our other content creators. So if you want even more Eve Echoes news and a deeper dive into what's going on with the galaxy, check out Damon Zell over on YouTube and his show Echoes from the Front. That's where he goes over game announcements, patch notes, alliance drama, battles, and much more. I also want to give a shout out to Sky News, the premier Russian news outlet. If you haven't checked out their channel, go check it out on YouTube. Yes, it's all spoken in Russian, but they do include English subtitles in their videos. They also have a blog in which the text can be translated to your preferred language. Go check out Let's Play the Game over at Sky News. So thank you everybody for listening. Take care, fly dangerously, and I shall see you next week.